0: Hello and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Roman Kanziani. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer and I'm going to start with an update on the markets. Well, the fallout of Jerome Powell's hawkish Jackson Hole speech continued to ripple through financial markets yesterday. While most of investors are not amused about the drop in markets, Neil Kashkari, the Minneapolis Fed president, seemed rather content, being quoted as saying that in his view, investors have gotten the message now that the US central bank is really determined to contain inflation. Still, investors have showed few signs of panic during the stock crowd over the past days. When the S&P 500 dropped more than 3% on Friday, the CBOE volatility index, measuring the implied volatility of S&P constituents over the coming 30 days, rose less than expected and in the day at around 25 points, considerably lower than in the six other instances this year when stocks sold off like this. The reason for this could be light positioning among professional investors. While many say that this means that nerves are in check, some also stress that a lack of full-blown capitulation is usually a sign that the carnage is not over yet. However, during yesterday's trading hours, the S&P 500 managed to slow its decline and ended the day down by 0.7%, with two out of its 11 sectors even closing in the green. It was energy and utilities which led the board, while tech and real estate underperformed the rest of the market. In fixed income, U.S. Treasury yields rose further yesterday, with two-year yields up by three basis points to 3.42 and 10-year yields up by six basis points to 3.10. Overnight. Things have calmed a bit, and in Asian trading, the 10-year U.S. Treasury is trading around 3.08 at the moment. Speaking of U.S. yields, it's the start of quantitative tightening this week in the U.S. Finally, with the Federal Reserve beginning to unload Treasury bills, it started amassing almost three years ago, as it ramps up, unwinding its 9 trillion U.S. dollar portfolio. It will be interesting to see whether and how markets cope with the additional supply and one less big buyer of bills. The US dollar meanwhile is quite slightly down against the majority of its peers. It trades at parity versus the euro this morning. Gold is around 1735 US dollars per ounce and Bitcoin is hovering just above the 20,000 US dollar threshold. Meanwhile, Oil has held on to its gains from yesterday, as many traders expect the OPEC Plus to announce production cuts shortly and the gas price in Europe is also under pressure. The latter comes on the heels of news that the European Union is set to meet its gas storage goal two months ahead of schedule. Reserves in the region were filled up to almost 80% by the end of last week. Still, the bloc is preparing emergency steps to fix its power market and the French government has urged businesses yesterday to cut energy use of or face possible rationing. In overnight markets, much of the talk is about the Chinese currency, the Yuan. China has taken its most aggressive step in its recent battle to bolster its currency, setting its reference rate for the currency higher for the fifth day in a row and with the second strongest bias on record. This could be interpreted as a sign how the US dollar strength is a challenge for Asia in the region's currency slip. While overall stocks in Asia are higher this morning, held by a sharp move up in Japan, the mood has calmed a bit due to Chinese tech shares falling once again in Hong Kong. So while the Nikkei is up by more than 1%, Hong Kong and China onshore are both down by about 0.6%. Meanwhile, Europe is expected to start trading a bit higher today on a day with plenty of new inflation data out of Germany and Spain. That's all from my side for the moment. Now I'm handing over to Markus Allensbach, our head of fixed income research, who will share his takeaways on Jackson Hole. Please go ahead, Markus.
1: Yes, Roman, you spoiled my conclusion right away. Jackson Hole is a negative for financial markets. Let me look at two aspects, the Fed in particular, and central bank view in general. Powell took an eight-minute speech only to take away all illusions. There is no room for interpretation. The Fed is fighting inflation, the orthodox way. That means he needs to slow demand to the level of supply, and slowing demand means higher interest rates. He made clear in these eight minutes that he's not done yet, And once he has reached the level of restrictions, he will stay there for some time because it would be a big, big mistake to ease too early. David Kohl has adjusted his forecast already early last week and says the first rate cut is only coming in September 23, not March 23. David Kohl is still expecting inflation to allow the Fed to cut rates. The thing is, we have in our books only a rate hike by 50 basis points in September and 25 in November through a peak rate of three and a quarter. And we have to say it's a low conviction call. Remember that inflation is a slow moving animal. It was March, April 21. We might have in our remote memories, March, April 21 when the first signs of inflation picked up in the US and it may take more time for inflation too slow than the Fed would like to see. So we cannot rule out that we are not peaking at three and a quarter, so maybe three and a half or even 4% in the short term. What was the general message from the rest of the pack in Jackson Hole? We heard it all the same message, be it from the BIS customs, be it from ECB board member Isabel Schnabel, SMB president Jordan or the IMF chief economist we have seen the end of the great moderation. We are entering a period of higher volatility. It's no longer that globalization keeps down inflation without the central banks doing anything. As Carstens called it, the supply tailwinds turn into supply headwinds. Or as Isabel Schnabel said, the end of globalization means that the central bank have to get much more restrictive to fight inflation. So that means we will have more volatility in front of us. We have central banks that do the opposite of financial repression. Remember in the good old days of financial repression, when central banks were fighting in deflation, they view a weakness of the stock market as a sign they are not doing enough to stimulate demand. If they fight inflation and they want to slow demand, any rebound of the stock market tells them that they are not doing enough to slow the economy. So the consequences yes you said it uh, roman the market took the right clues it's a negative outcome of this uh, jackson Hole conference for financial markets it means high interest rates for longer it means more volatility we have already implemented some hedges in our investment committee a couple of weeks ago saying that we cannot rule out that we retest the June lows after that Jackson and conference and this message from the central banks we feel if anything more justified in that decision to seek for some downside protections what does it mean on the fixed income markets yes short-term interest rates are moving higher as long as we get the clear message from the central banks they're fighting inflation the yield potential will be limited at the long end so we expect more inversion of the yield curve so it's choosy to stay at the short end we still believe that we can avoid a very hard landing we expect only a slowing of the global economy a technical recession in the eurozone so that means that the default rate should not explode and credit spreads are already anticipating this level of um, economic headwinds so we are still positive for moderate credit risk for investors looking to buy duration you will get better entry points than you have at the very moment we still say for 10 year duration you better wait for three and a quarter maybe three and a half percent to enter Our year-end target for the Treasury 10-year note has not changed. We're still looking for 3%, but as I mentioned, it stays volatile in the short term. With that, back to you, Roman. Thank you very much, Marcus.
0: With that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers, and thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you'll join us again soon. I wish you all a good day ahead. Bye for now.
1: The information and opinions
0: expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.